0: really interesting book, Chris.
1: Thank you. Weather I'm glad you like it.
0: Yeah. Um, I was talking with a co-worker of mine who worked, uh, uh, I guess, in the advertising or business side of the Weather Network, and she goes, yeah, he's, re- he's written tons of books. I know who he, who he is. He won't know who I am. Um, but, you know, outside I, I of writing a bunch of books, that, I mean, this one was really interesting because, for me at least... Because you know you you went through all these different events uh, over the past twenty five years, uh, you know weather events that obviously made the news and that we were talking about um, when it when it happened. Um, first off, I wanted to ask you: um, you could have put probably picked a dozen other different storms or weather events. Why these ones?
1: Um the it's interesting cuz when we were uh, when we were laying out what we wanted to cover in the book um we we decided sort of you know how many chapters it was going to be and how many pages and then I had a couple of themes that I wanted to run through the book that I wanted to make sure um were represented climate change uh the way people behave towards each other Um, and, and then I kind of wanted to be representative to different parts of the country. So there, there were so many things that could have gone in, um, and, and perhaps it opens the door to doing a second book and being more inclusionary to some other events. But we, I wanted to kind of represent, um, all the various types of weather that are at play for Canadians as our climate changes.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to come back to the way people treat each other. Um i f- i found uh, uh especially the story of um oh my goodness in alberta the fire the fires fort Mcmurray i found that really really fascinating um as as i started uh reading your book i mean the first question that came up to me was is there is there hope um from from a sense of we see all of these um storms and you know one of the things that we uh, tend to hear more often nowadays chris is uh, another storm of the century just a few years after the last storm of the century um so you know in in one of the chapters you talk about you know instead of every hundred years of, of a storm we're going to see uh I, I think it was every three to seven or seven you know one of those numbers um and understanding that climate change is, is 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 happening, are we? Is is there is there hope, Chris? Do you see hope based on stuff that you know and that you've studied?
1: Well, yeah. That's the hardest part about telling the climate change story is because um, there there's two avenues. Uh, one is is this um, apocalyptic route, and, and the other is. Um, with technology uh there there is there is a there isn't a there is a way to to mitigate um what we've done to the climate and to make the future survivable though we are going to have to make changes so it's two stories journalists have had a really hard time um telling the story of climate change and, and i think i do a lot of um speaking engagements and 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 a, I've been telling this story prior to when I wrote the book and it always seemed to end on this, um, sort of dark and depressing note. And, and after I wrote the book, I, I, I realized what the out was. And there's actually, um, uh, I I just did a talk and there's a couple of futurists who have written great stories, um, and, and books. Let me just grab the name of the the person. Um, but, um my glasses on the brookings institute which is which is a think tank um commissioned to study and and it was about um how we get through the future and it was always the, the whole story comes back to that um every time humankind is put against a wall with a crisis we find innovative ways to work our way through the crisis and and we learn and so it's all about the learning. And uh, Justin Bean is the futurist. He's from California, and he wrote a book called What Could Go Right. And so I read that I read that book uh, just prior to Christmas this year. I wish I had read it before I finished writing this book. Um, but I think that both of our conclusions kind of lead the same way in that we have access to knowledge, so much of it from our past experiences, and applying that knowledge um, gives us innovations and ways to get around our problems, always has in our past. So there's no reason why it won't in the future. It's just, do we have, um, do we have the will to make the choices we need to make? And usually we do, but it's, it's very typical of things. You know, We always wait to the last minute to make change because making change is hard. And so with climate change, we are at the last minute now um you know most studies say you know we want it to contain global warming to 1.5 to 2 degrees well in the next 5 years we're going to surpass that so it what we've done to the environment is not going to go away as soon as we make the change whatever changes what what we're seeing now is going to continue for the next 100 years so for the next 3 generations right So it's going to, it's just, I mean, we've put the stuff up there. It's going to take time for this to come out of our atmosphere and for the earth to heal itself. hundred years is a blink in global time. You know, to human beings, it's, you know, a lifetime, two lifetimes. Um, So it's it's a case of us using our innovative minds and our huge intelligence um, pool because it's not one person, it's all of us thinking together to get around this problem. Um, But it's us tapping into accessing and becoming much more unified as a civilization to move forward and to know that we need to mitigate all of these things we've done, but we need to do our best to preserve so that we can continue to go forward. It's going to cost a lot. It's really, inter- it's really interesting because... The action that's being taken on climate change now, and there is really good action being taken not only at the government level but at, uh, through business and industry. but nobody took the action um, and you know you look at graph lines and the, and the temperatures were going up 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 like this and this and then and the other graph line was emissions were going up up up, and suddenly and I just did a talk for uh, insurers and um, adjusters um, at a global conference. And the other thing that was happening was the cost to, to the problem was going up actually higher than the temperatures. So it's like accountants have come to the rescue. They've said, well, hey, you look at this cost going out of control. We need to do something to get that in line. And the only way to get it in line is to uh, alter our behavior.
0: It's to slow down, yeah. yeah. Um, your chapter on Red River was was interesting in and in for me in a couple of ways one um you know you start off with the history of of the area of the massive lake um that uh that was present there um and then the ice age and then what happened you know how, how that area you know why that area is the way it is fertile soil but i think underneath you said clay is it clay
1: yeah it's clay it's that, it's, it's yeah
0: that yeah, that that stops the the water from really draining uh, Further, properly yeah. and then the ingenuity of 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 people to to build defenses to to help mitigate flood the, the spring flooding um that that happens and i remember i, I literally went on my phone and go and i'm thinking i'm looking how how big is this river you know and it's massive i didn't realize yeah. Um how massive it is, um, so you talk about so when I read that chapter, I go, maybe maybe there's there's hope there because people come together and they figure you know stuff out,
1: yeah, um but one yeah, time, and yeah, that's why that's why that chapter was in there and in there first, because I wanted to offer hope um and 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 a great example of how we can. Work solutions around problems and and mitigate um, things things in the future. I mean, I love history. History um, is what I was going to study in university um, and, and I wanted to be a history teacher. Just history is fascinating. But we often don't think back ten thousand years and twenty thousand years and w- w- what our planet looked like at, at the end of the last ice age. Yeah. and all of those things kind of figure into where we live today,
0: yeah. Do you ever put on a different hat and 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 wonder to yourself why are we building cities in, in some of these areas
1: well yeah I mean exactly but it's like we, we didn't know then and and those were the places we traditionally built and but we you know again we get around a problem I mean look at the Netherlands as an example of a, a place I mean they've reclaimed 20% of that country is reclaimed seabed from the North Sea and they built their dikes and they've built flood mitigation and 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 the, and the Dutch are are way ahead on climate change um, and and living with a changing climate. In that they have reinforced their dikes, knowing that sea levels are going to rise. People there, and and it's a beautiful difference between uh, us and Europe. Uh, Canada is such a vast country, and distances are so great. Europe, everything is close, so people use the train. Uh, people ride bikes to work. We we live. Our society is different in North America. We are. Uh, heavily vehicle dependent, we choose not to live in our city centers. So I I see in the future, us contracting back to living in closer communities. And we have to, we have to.
0: Wow. Very, very interesting. Um, I think the first time I ever heard the the term El Nino, Chris, I don't know how old I was. Uh, It doesn't seem that long ago, but I'm thinking warm winds from Mexico. I, th- I think that's what that w- that's what was in my head um but I'm assuming it's not or or not that that doesn't tell the full story what what is I, el nino chris well
1: it's and i get the I often get them there's El nino and la Nino but basically okay. it is it is a warming and cooling of the waters in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of South America so really from um central chile up to ecuador um the waters will for there it's just a it's a natural trend in the pacific ocean an ebb and flow that takes about seven years to complete a cycle of warm water welling to the top of the ocean or the surface of the ocean off the coast and then colder water um replacing it on a on a regular cycle and when the colder water is there it has an impact on uh, our weather in North America. It has an impact on the fishery because more fish will be in colder water than in warmer water. So it, it's it's a cyclical thing. It's a cycle, though, that um, oceanographers, climatologists, and meteorologists really only figured out in the past 40 or 50 years. So what's what's interesting is when you think about Global time, Earth time, and things being are like our life is the blink of an eye, what other cycles are there out there that have yet to be discovered yet? I mean we yeah, and which is what's neat about technology in the future is that artificial intelligence and those things will help us greatly in finding patterns that we haven't seen in so many different things but anyway, El nino la nino um, they have they have a great impact um, in in affecting our climate in North America, um, the waters will uh, off in the Pacific will impact um, the development of high pressure over the Atlantic Ocean, which has um, is a key mechanism in increasing the numbers of hurricanes that come through the Caribbean and along the Atlantic coast. So that's how that cycle plays uh, for us. And and what we've noticed is that the cycle has wavered in the past 20 years. Um, it's it's not as long as it was before. So we seem to be going in and out of El Nino, La Nina cycles uh, a little more rapidly than we were before. And instead of it ever being every seven, 10 years, it's, it's reduced in its time. So therefore, the incidences of more active Atlantic hurricane seasons also increases with that.
0: Very interesting, very, very interesting. You must look like when you go for walks, you probably look up in the sky and you, you think of different things than the rest of us based on the colors you see, the clouds that you see, uh, the time of year that it is, the temperatures. That's, that's fascinating. Um, I, I was going for a walk with my dog sometime this week, and I noticed that all the shrubs were shining. Um, and I go, oh, we we had rain last night and, and it froze and everything was glistening. And then I think the next day we went for a walk and everything is falling down, like little tiny icicles are falling down everywhere. Um, and it reminded me of, of the chapter of the ice storm. Um and, and you you go to explain in your chapter, you explain, Chris, what exactly is freezing rain? What exactly is an ice storm? It's not it, it isn't ice falling down is
1: it or- no yeah. no it's not and, and people get freezing rain confused it's it's when i you know at the weather network it was one of the most uh common uh questions was, was was when it was when ice pellets were falling from the sky is that freezing rain no it's not freezing rain first of all you need a complexion in the atmosphere so think of the atmosphere like a layer cake right um and so you've got a, a layer close to the surface say um um A kilometer two kilometers from the surface up and the temperature there is minus five or minus six degrees so it's cold and then you go to the next layer which is maybe four kilometers up and warm air has ridden over the cold air. Um, Warm air will do that because it's more buoyant the molecules are further apart so warm air rises like think of steam coming out of a kettle and in cold air the molecules are dense uh, they're packed together closely so it's it's heavier and it sinks to the surface yeah air has weight um so what happens is this warm layer is like 2 or 3 degrees celsius above freezing and so it's rain, the what's up there moisture is uh is liquid it's liquid but it, as it falls into the cold air and makes its journey to the surface it becomes supercooled which is a really interesting term so it 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 becomes Below freezing, but because there's motion involved, it's not actually becoming a snowflake or an ice crystal. It remains in a liquid state until it hits the surface. And then when it hits the surface, it instantly goes to a solid state, and the solid state is ice. So that's what freezing rain is. It's actually liquid. If you're driving your car in freezing rain, it's the best time to notice it. Because it appears to be raining, but when the ice, when the raindrop hits your windshield, it kind of spatters, and it and it if your wipers are going, it will it'll streak right and go to, and go to uh, like a little tiny sheet of ice, with your with your with the motion of your wipers. So that's how you can tell if you're driving in freezing rain, and the temperature will always be below zero at the surface.
0: That has to it has to be. So that's freezing rain. That is freezing rain
1: very misunderstood. And with that ice storm, I mean, it was catastrophic because we get freezing rain a lot in the wintertime. Like we just had it last week in Southern Ontario. We're supposed to get some this coming week. We get it a lot. Um, And what we had last week was six or seven hours of freezing rain or light freezing rain. It wasn't heavy. The the situation in Eastern Ontario and Quebec uh, in 1998 was one that it just didn't stop. And it was like heavy rain. It was like raining like rain uh, but, but freezing rain and it, it started on Monday and it lasted till Friday. It just never stopped. So the accretion of ice kept building and building mm-hmm. and it was, it was the, it was the weight of the ice that caused the structural damage. It was, I mean, ice has weight and yeah. that the, 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 uh, hydro towers couldn't take the weight. The, the lines couldn't take the weight. Trees couldn't take the weight. You know,
0: yeah. F- it's just fascinating, uh, event for sure. Um. I wanna end off uh with with Red River. Um and what what really got to me. So there's a couple of things. First of all, um the way you started off with your wife calling you and saying, Hey, what's going on?
1: Oh uh, the Fort Murray. No, yeah. sorry, yeah. sorry, the yeah, five.
0: F- yeah, Fort yeah. Memory, sorry, my apologies. Fort Memory. Okay. Is as, as I'm reading you know, it starts off with your wife calling, Hey, what's going on? And I'm thinking Shouldn't Chris be telling people what's going on? So I found that a little bit comical. But then, as I'm reading it, Chris, what got to me—nothing to do with weather. Uh, you talked, you know, earlier about the, you know, the way uh, we come together and we help and we treat each other. And you know, I'm I'm at fault of one of those people that you know when I think of Alberta, I think of a certain type of people mm-hmm. um, that live there. Yep. Um, and I've got family there. And, you know, I've heard people talk about Alberta, being, you know, a certain type of place and certain type of society. And they go, like, no, families there, no. And then, you know, I'll talk to people. Yeah, it is like that. But then reading your chapter, what got to me was the way that people just came together um, and just helped each other, whether opening their homes, opening their businesses. um you know giving free gas free food and just you know you 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 talk about this one guy that um i think he was he was transporting goods wasn't charging yep. and you might have asked him is there anything you need and all he said was can i just get a hug
1: yeah i mean that's what it was like and he was like a burly guy like he's like he's the guy he was just you know you know he was um full of conservative morals you you know if he was a voter you know he was a, a conservative vote he was like that's the guy he was he was a man you know he was just and yet this went to his core seeing people in trouble and it was the number of people who were in trouble and they were his friends and i mean they weren't his friends and neighbors they were just people but they were they were just people and it, i saw that so often I mean, you know i saw you know um like we were in a, a guy had no gas and he was driving like an Escalade but he, had, he he left without his wallet or anything and and it was no problem to give him money I, a girl came into a place where we were uh doing some shots and it was like it was a community center all filled with diapers and just everything you you would need if you had nothing and she just needed to use a cell phone she just wanted to call her folks in New Brunswick to say that she was okay cuz she didn't have any money no way to do that it was of course take my phone and do that and um yeah it was the, it was the outpouring of kindness and caring uh and it was whatever your political stripe was it didn't matter what whatever you felt about anybody it didn't matter it, it was this is a person this is a human being um who you know has a family uh, or doesn't have a family and and needs help. Um, and, and that's what, and it, it's that kind of kindness. If only we could have that all the time. I mean, I think of how much better this place would be, but, but, but I, one of my favorite stories out of that was, um, the Syrian refugees who had left Uh, Syria and however they made their crossing you know if it was a raft in the Mediterranean to a camp in Turkey or wherever it was and they finally were able, they got they were brought to Canada and they lived in Calgary uh, and everything that they had had been donated to them and they heard about the fire and they took everything that they had and gave it and it was just like because they understood what it's like to be a refugee. They understood losing everything. And and so now all of those people who live in Fort McMurray, 80,000, they understand what that's like. And that's why I wrote the book for anybody who has ever helped or been helped. That's who I dedicated the book to, because it is that the spirit of that, that is what we are supposed to be like, and we often forget about it in our day-to-day lives, but that's what the spirit of community and people is supposed to be. And it's within all of us to accomplish that. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's the way you feel when you do it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, and, and I think it's one of the big lessons, um, you know, of, of the book. Yes, it's a book where we could uh, understand more about the world that we live in, the impact of, of, of what we're doing on the weather, on the climate, um, the power of some of these forces, whether it's fires or storms, uh, but it's also, you know, who can we be as, a, as, as, as people when we decide to come together? Yeah. Um, and, and that's, I think for me, that's what I got uh, out, out of this book. Um, Chris, thank you so much
1: my pleasure my pleasure I'm glad you got that out of the book that's exactly what I wanted you to get so great we have great capacity thank you
0: absolutely Chris has been my guest Chris St. Clair former host of the weather network uh published by um Simon and Schuster the book is weather permitting just just a fascinating uh read if you're interested not just in recent history but also you know how how this land was formed it's, it's a really great read thank you so much again for writing it and for coming on to talk with me this morning. Thank you. Take care.